The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. It is here and we are ready to go. The return of undisputed super middleweight champion and future Hall of Famer Canelo Alvarez coming up Saturday night in Las Vegas. He goes back to the light heavyweight division to challenge Russian Dmitry Bivol for the WBA World Championship at 175 pounds. We're here to talk all about that. The latest that's going on in Las Vegas with this matchroom boxing DAZN fight card and much more. I am merely the somewhat capable host. He is Dan Rayfield on scene with us. Our content partner, our insider, continues to be hanging out in Las Vegas. He's not been evicted as of yet. Good to be back yeah. with you as we get ready for the weekend. There's still time, but I think you're going to hang in and not be evicted before fight time Saturday night. I sure hope not. Uh, it's uh, it's been. It's, I feel like I've been here for like a month, but it's been worthwhile. It's been been a lot of stuff going on, and it's uh, you know, you just immerse yourself in, in what's going on in the sport, particularly out here in Vegas. From last week with Stevenson and Valdez, and now of course this week with the big fight with uh, Canelo Alvarez and Bivol. It's uh, it's it's a lot of fun and a lot of a lot of work. All right, let me lay out what we've got. More with Dan in just a second. Uh, later on, a conversation Dan had with matchroom promoter Eddie Hearn, one-on-one, very interesting, not only about the Canelo Bivol fight, but also the potential date for Alexander Usyk, Anthony Joshua heavyweight rematch for the championship fight there. Uh, some other interesting stuff as well about a fight card coming to, uh, to Texas in June uh, from matchroom and zone. So you'll hear all of that conversation that Dan had with Eddie in just a little bit. Also joining us coming up, Sergio Mora, the Latin snake. He will be on the call with Todd Grisham and Chris Mannix for this Canelo Alvarez, Dimitri Bivol uh, light heavyweight title fight. Look forward to his insight and what he thinks this fight will actually come down to. What kind of chance does Bivol have? We'll get his thoughts. And then Dan is obviously with me to make some fight predictions on the matchroom card on the back end of all of that as we rock along. Quick reminder, however you found this podcast and many, many more of you by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, we're increasing the audience on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. Thank you for doing so. If you have not already, follow us and subscribe. Again, however you found us, make sure that you're following or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Go and find us. Um, and again, we're here in the preview mode on Fridays, heading to the weekend. We also come back with a Fight Freaks Unite recap. That's Dan's uh, piece of the puzzle here from Substack, etc. Again, if you are following and subscribing, you got an alert automatically that Dan had spoken uh, with Eddie Hearn. We put a little preview of that up. You didn't even have to have us tell you or a social media link tell you. You would have gotten an automatic alert the same way that our preview comes out or the recap show comes out. Make sure you're following and subscribing. Okay, so we now get into the final couple of days at the time we're releasing the podcast and the final few hours, depending on when they're hearing us, Friday into Saturday, etc., Fight week building, Dan, what has this been like? You've been around the fighters. They've arrived. They've had their final press conference. At the time we're taping, the final weigh-in has not taken place yet, but we're almost there to fight time. What are your thoughts for this week? My thoughts are that both fighters are in total professional mode. In other words, not a lot of funny business, straight faces. Uh, these guys are ready to fight. They look like they're in great shape, both of them. Um, They've been actually very good with the press. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of availability, but in the availability that they did have, they were outstanding. You know, they had the the grand arrivals uh, on Tuesday where their fans gathered in the 
hotel casino in the casino lobby at the MGM and they bring him in on the red carpet and they play the music and then they go up on the stage and, you know, I was sitting in the audience in a assigned seat, but they do interviews with uh, Claudia Treos, who was hosting it for DAZN. But you don't really get much out of that. It was more for the fans. You know, Canelo was cool. He came off the stage and he signed a few autographs for some of the folks that were there. So that was good to see. But after that was over, we had the opportunity to go to the media center and uh, Bivol uh, did uh, a lot of interviews. And, you know, when he was done with a lot of the video interviews, he came to our table where I was seated with some of the other reporters and he was outstanding. He, he did about 25 minutes with us. Uh, nothing was off the table. He was asked the questions about, you know, everything from the from the fight all the way to the situation um, that, that Russia is involved with with Ukraine and a lot of uh, negativity about his involvement in this fight because of his heritage. Um, but he took all the questions like a pro. And I have to say, you know, I've, I've uh, my first time I ever met Dimitri Bivol and covered a fight of his was uh, several years ago when he fought Samuel Lowe Clarkson. I believe it was his ninth or 10th professional fight. And uh, he spoke English then, but his English now was so dramatically improved that uh, once in a while he had to look to his manager, Vadim Kornilov, to get a little help if he got tripped up or maybe you might speak a little bit too quickly, but uh, his English is excellent. He's a pleasure to deal with. And then that was on, on Wednesday, on a Tuesday. And then on Wednesday was uh, there was nothing really official on the schedule in terms of the fight week schedule, but by, by invitation only, they invited about maybe 10 or 12 of us. Uh, and we got a chance to sit down in a, in a back room uh, with Canelo and Eddie and uh, Canelo spoke to us for, again, about 20, 25 minutes, maybe a little longer. And again, answered every question. That's where a lot of the conversation came up about his upcoming schedule. Obviously, Bebo, he has to win, but there was a lot of discussion on the Triple G fight that may be in September if he wins. There was conversation about uh, the prospect of of, uh, of uh, a cruiserweight title fight. Uh, there was even the discussion that I wrote about, uh, about the possibility of even eventually challenging Alexander Usyk and how that came about. There's some very interesting conversations about that. Uh, but Canelli was asked about his golf game because it's such an important part of his <laughs> life and how it helps him, you know, unwind from the gym because he's he's like, look, before I would go home gym, home gym, home gym. Now I go home golf gym, home golf gym. And it's, so it breaks it up and, he, you know, he says it's a big part of his life. That was interesting to hear his comments about that. Um, the one thing, though, that Canelo Alvarez and Dimitri Bivol have in common as they go into the fight, uh, you don't have to spend more than 10 seconds with them to realize that they are very, very uh, calm, professional, poised, and they've done the work and they're ready to go. We will uh, obviously have more breakdown of this in our final segment and make a couple of fight picks with Dan Rayfield. Just one more because you've been around this so often. I love leaning on you uh, about this. You've been around Canelo Cinco de Mayo weekend fights. And again, Cinco de Mayo fell on Thursday, the fight on the 7th on Saturday. But just the atmosphere and as it builds Friday into Saturday, you've been there, you've done this. Now, now post-COVID-19 pandemic of 2020, we're getting back to fuller capacity and, and much more. What, what is this like, again, for fans that are interested, especially for a Canelo Vegas fight like this? Well, when they do the arrivals, it's always a nice uh, atmosphere because the fans are very festive and, you know, the boxers understand that it's fight weeks kicking off. They're obviously anxious to get going. Um, so that there's always energy there. Then it sort of like calms down, you know, there's not a lot of buzz in the hotel right now, but by the time tomorrow rolls around, which on Friday of these type of Cinco de Mayo fights and then the September weekend with the Mexican Independence Day, a lot of the Mexican fans that come to Vegas for the weekend for the fight, many of them come from you know places in the Southwest or they come from Southern California. Some of them, I'm sure, come from Mexico. By and large, they come here on Friday. And so by the time things happen Friday, you know, I'm sure there'll be a great crowd. They're doing the weigh-in on Friday. will take place outside 
at the T-Mobile Arena. They have that big plaza out there. I'm not thrilled about that. It's going to be like 97 degrees, so I don't love that. I'd rather <laughs> see it in the arena where it's a lot more comfortable. But uh, be that as it may, they're going to do it outdoors tomorrow afternoon. But I'm sure that there'll be a lot of fans there. You know, and it'll be the opposite of uh, that'll be like a big party. You know, on Thursday, they had the final press conference. And um, look, I've been to a lot of press conferences. They're kind of worthless, to be honest with you. It's just, I mean, I've been joking like this. I literally was like falling asleep during today's press conference. It was so boring. And part of it's because, and it's not a knock on Canelo or on Bevo, there's no heat between them. There's no animosity. There's no electricity. There's no negativity between the camps. Everybody's a professional, which I appreciate. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to see them mm -hmm. like swinging chairs at each other. But they're both been very, uh, not like pals, but pros. No threats, no bad language. Part of it's maybe there's a, you know, English is their second language for both of these guys. Um, so the, the, the pre-fight hype has been a lot less because Bivol is just a kind of an anonymous figure. Those of us who follow boxing know he's a terrific fighter and a undefeated champion and a hell of a fighter for a long time, but he doesn't have the, the spice to the public at large that you need to sell a big pay-per-view. And Canelo, you know, as great of a fighter as he is, he's never been the biggest personality, although it's definitely gotten better. And now that he speaks more English and likes to curse a lot more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the fight is a great matchup and I'm really excited for it. But the buildup has been a little lackluster, not because everybody involved is not working to do their jobs, but you can't make the fighters have different personalities than they actually have. So from that standpoint, it's been a little lacking in terms of the electricity and the buzz. Well, now that said, come Saturday inside the T-Mobile, they're going to have a big, you know, probably sold out or certainly close to a sold out crowd. And everybody will be very excited to see, uh, you know, Canelo back in the ring because it'll be, you know, 99 percent uh Canelo fans there, whether they're American or Mexican, Mexican-American, whatever. It's going to be a big uh, a big Canelo house, as always, in Las Vegas. All right, we look forward to that. Dan uh, did a great job in also scoring an interview with Eddie Hearn, a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So let's segue into that right now. This is from midweek, covering a lot of different subjects, and Eddie is very candid, and Dan and I will follow up after the conversation, part of his Fight Freaks Unite uh, podcast coverage uh, here with the Matchroom Promoter. We've got a big week here in Las Vegas for Canelo Alvarez against uh, Dimitri Bivol. You're coming off a big week in New York with Katie Taylor and Amanda Strano, one of the not just great women's fights of all time, but one of the great fights mm -hmm. I've seen you know, in a long, long time. Uh, let's start off with, with what we've got coming up Saturday though, with uh, Canelo Alvarez and Dimitri Bivol. You just sat with some of the press and uh, with Canelo. Uh, tell me just your general thoughts as you see. You know, you've worked with him for several fights the last uh, couple of years. Just his demeanor going to yet another big fight. Just amazing confidence. So calm, so cool, and like people, you know, they're asking me in there, do you get nervous, you know, around the Canelo, Canelo fight? And like, if you ask me who would you want in the ring against this opponent, and it could be any opponent, you choose Canelo Alvarez every time. And he's so good, he's so confident. I actually think this is going to be one of the toughest fights of his career because I think he's completely outside of his comfort zone in terms of weight. I think Dimitri Bivol is a guy that is completely fresh, has no damage, never had a tough fight, has great feet, has great fundamentals, but he's going to have to be a pound for pound great to beat Canelo Alvarez. And it's just the energy that Canelo brings, you know, when you're talking to him, when he's up there, when he's in face to face, he's like, he's almost like he beats the opponent before they've even stepped in the ring with his, with his, just his aura. And it's very difficult to not 
look at him, I guess, with, with that, that fear, if you like. But Bivol doesn't seem to have that reluctance, that nervous energy. He just seems like it's another day at the office. Not you, yet. yeah, you know, not yet. And I think Dimitri is very cool. Like we've worked with him for a long time. I think his pulse is probably in the thirties, you know. <laughs> but as the magnitude of the event draws closer, that's when the reality starts kicking in, you know. And and I don't think it will kick in for Dimitri till. Maybe the, the weigh-in or the ring walk, but for some people, Dan, that can bring the best out of them. True. And I think Dimitri's one of those guys. Don't forget, this guy, you know, when he beat Pascal those years ago and he beat Joe Smith, easy, who's now, you know, reigning world champion, he was just dying for the mega fight. Betabiev, Kovalev, like whoever it was at the time, couldn't get it, now gets the biggest of all big fights, you know? And um, he's excited, like he, he genuinely wants to test himself against greatness because he thinks he has it. So when, when you were negotiating to bring Canelo back uh, to Matchroom and did the deal that you've done with him, he decided not to do the PBC deal. Was it his idea, his team's idea to do Bivol or was that your idea because that was obviously a quality yeah. guy you had in your stable yeah. to work with? Well, when you obviously when you're pitching to him, you have to pitch with the options and you pitch generally with fighters that you can do a deal with or fighters that you represent. So, you know, the benefit that we had was we had... Dimitri Bivol, who is a 175-pounder. DAZN also had Triple G on part of their platform. So we could go to him with that two-fight offering. You know, the problem with the Caleb Plant fight was we didn't have Caleb Plant, and Heyman wouldn't allow us to do that deal on DAZN. So he had no choice but to go over. And how smart was it from him to go over and sign a one-fight deal? You know, I mean, I can't almost can't believe that they allowed him to do that. Well, I'm interested in to know when you made the fight, uh, if it was I know he was available and you could make the deal, but when you made it, did you have trepidation where, oh my goodness, Bivol is a dangerous guy. He might beat yeah. this guy. We not might not get to the yeah. third Golovkin I, fight. I don't I I don't really think it's a great fight for Saul yeah. because everybody expects him expects him to beat everybody. And as far as I'm concerned, Bivol is top five, definitely toughest fights of, of Canelo's career so far so I as a promoter can't wait for Triple G against Sal but really it all rides on this fight you know and, and even in those opening rounds in Triple G against Murata when he started slow I was thinking oh blimey and then he came through so and now it's all lies on on uh, this weekend so to make sure he can get through you're not fighting this weekend so you're allowed to look yeah. ahead it's your job as a promoter so when you look ahead to the to the potential magnitude of the Golovkin third fight, assuming that Canelo does win the fight on Saturday. You know, those first two fights were huge fights. They did good pay-per-view numbers. They did huge gates, mm-hmm. you know, 20 plus, 24 plus million for mm-hmm. both fights at T-Mobile. Uh, how, how big do you think that the third fight still is? I mean, some people say it sort of passed its sell-by date, no, that, that Triggles is over 40. The biggest fight in boxing. Tell me a bigger fight in boxing. But I, yeah. uh, I mean, I agree with you. Yeah, but I think, look, I think when the fight's announced, when you see the artwork... When they come face to face, you realise how good and big this fight is. Like you get a lot of people, boxing fans who are a bit strange. You know, I don't want to see that fight anymore. Really? You don't want to see that fight again? I mean, what do you want to see? Because that's an epic fight. You know, and this time it ain't going 12 rounds because Triple G will will know this is my last roll of the dice and I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna go for it. And he'll be so much better at 168 as well after making 160 for what 13 years or whatever it is. Saul will try and take his head off and he'll want to stop him and beat him up. And it will be an epic fight, but it won't go 12 rounds this time. 
I can't disagree with you, even though Golovkin has shown that great chin, maybe not the greatest reaction mm. to the body shots. Yeah. That would seem to be Canelo's uh, way to get him out of there if he's going to get a knockout. Uh, but he talked a lot about, uh, you know, we know that the fight's on Saturday. We know that the Golovkin fight is after that if he wins. There was conversation in the media session. There's been conversation in some other things of the last couple of weeks about what he might do in December if he mm. keeps on winning about that possible third fight. Um, he mentioned... Uh, about the light heavyweight division. You've talked about maybe trying to bring him around the world to Mexico, to, to London. Uh, he, there's been conversation about cruiserweight. He mentioned, oh, my God, Alexander Usyk. Mm-hmm. Uh, put that sort of like in the order in which you think those are possible, those various things that he's brought up. I think if he fights in December, it will most likely be a mandatory defense of one of his titles. Um, and I think the undisputed 175-pound fight will probably come next May to be honest with you. So I think I see him fighting Bivol. If he's victorious, Golovkin. If he's victorious and, and healthy and ready to fight, maybe a John Ryder, maybe a, the winner of Boatsy Richards, maybe a fight in Mexico, and then go into the undisputed 175-pound fight in Cinco de Mayo next year. Now, it's been a while since he fought in Mexico, and mm. you know I'm a student of boxing history, and I know that uh, back in the 90s, when Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. was ruling the roost and was number one pound for pound in the, the main attraction, uh, they put a, a fight in, a TV, uh, in the Azteca Stadium in Mexico City against Greg Haugen, mm. and it set the all-time world record for a boxing event, 132,000-plus. Mm. Uh, you know, no disrespect to the Great Brits that showed up 90,000 <laughs> for uh, Joshua and Klitschko, 94,000 for Fury mm. and, and uh, Dillian White. But I have to believe if you take him to Mexico, you're, you're going to break records. You're yeah, going to make yeah. a big deal. Think about, tell me what your thoughts are about the possibility of doing that kind of yeah, homecoming. That's, that's um, it's legacy stuff for everybody. You know, for me, for Matchroom, for Sal, of course, for Eddie Reynoso, for everybody. And um, it's definitely something that he wants to do. Um, can we even beat that record now with, with the staging and the way, you know, seats are, are put in compared to standing and whatever what have happened that night we'd like to give it a try but that of course you know we're all about making history as well and so is he and that's why I think we have a great partnership because I love his mindset and a show in Mexico would be breathtaking so I know he's been open to the prospect of cruiserweight. He's discussed that. There was the Eddie Reynoso uh, overtures at the WBC convention about possibly Makabu. So maybe that will happen down the road. But I was very intrigued, uh, and I wasn't sure how serious to take him when the prospect of Usyk came up. I mean, you know, that's perhaps a bridge too far. I don't know who brought that up, and what are your thoughts about that? I mean, you know Alexander yeah. Usyk who promoted some it, of his fights. It, it started yesterday, really, when I was asked the question. And, you know, I remember after the Usyk fight, um, I remember that he went back, so the AJ Usyk fight, I took AJ to, to see Sal and Eddie Reynoso. And the way that Sal was explaining to beat Alexander Usyk, he made it sound very straightforward. For AJ to beat him in a rematch. Yeah, and, or just to how to beat him. And I just said to him, do you think you could beat Usyk? He said, of course. I said, really? And he was like, yeah. Uh, he said, look, you make that fight a cruiserweight or a pound over, and no problem. I was like, you know, and I, and it's hard not to believe him. Uh, is that realistic? I mean, I know he shoots for the moon, but I mean... I, mean, in, I, think, in... I think, look, I, I honestly believe AJ will beat Usyk, but if he doesn't, and I, I think what you would do first is you would have a fight at cruiserweight. I think you would fight Makabu, or you'd fight one of those guys, and then you would, if you're going to do it, you do it from there, you know, but... 
Oh, that would be very, very fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I, you, I'm going to switch subjects. That was great stuff on Saturday's fight. You brought up uh, AJ and Usyk. Maybe you could give us just an update on where and when. I mean, I've reported July 23rd. Yeah, I know you, we've talked. Would, yeah, I mean, it's not. It's still not done. I mean, you reported that a couple of weeks ago, but that's still the front runner, uh, date wise. Uh, we haven't signed a contract yet. We're still negotiating with a number of sites, but our plan is get this event out of the way and look to hopefully get an announcement out next week. And I have also written about, you know, the prospect of where AJ's TV rights will be in the UK. We all know he spoke about it before the Usyk fight uh, that was last September, that it was his last fight of his contract with Sky. Mm-hmm. Been a lot of speculation. Is he going to do a new deal with Sky where he's been his whole career? Going to come with the rest of the matchroom crew uh, and go and do fights on his own in the UK? Um, my understanding is that it's looking like he's going to stay on Sky. Can you give us an update on that? Yeah, no deal is reached again, but I would say they're the, the front runners. Um, is, is Sky is the front runner? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, look, he's, he's had his whole career there. Um, myself and 258, his management company, have been reviewing the offers from Sky and from DAZN and everybody else. The Usyk fight might be slightly different because the rights, you know, it's, it's a financial split. So it, it might go to the highest bidder, not necessarily the, the platform that someone would like it to go to. Or a site may acquire those rights within their deal, their site deal. So And then they would be responsible exactly. to sell the media. So I can't tell you if that you know, that fight may affect the longer term deal or, or you might do a longer term deal anyway, subject to that fight. So it's nothing's agreed yet, but um, again, our plan is to get the fight made and then finalize the, the TV. Would it be a, at all weird for you to do, I mean, I know you've known the guys at Sky forever, you did a, you know, a million shows or with mm. them for many years. Would it be kind of weird going back and doing a one-off you know, with an AJ oh, fight? Definitely not. I mean, we did the Usyk fight was a one-off because True. effectively we were with the zone for since June. That was probably more awkward because it was so fresh. Right. You know, now we've had a year or so uh, to, to work together, but no, we'll be we'll be very professional and we we do, we have a number of deals with Sky across our other sports. Well, oh, like your snooker darts, and darts. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I want to turn my to, turn my attention to another one of your shows. That when I saw the lineup of fights, I, I just loved it. I think it's just a June twenty uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. called it a uh, in a piece I wrote, a, just a, a my random thoughts column. Uh, that it was like an old school boxing after dark on steroids because it wasn't mm-hmm. just like two fights; it was four fights, all interesting. Uh, Bam Rodriguez uh, in the main event against yeah. Riskhead. It's like the young uh, yeah. rising star against the the old master. Mm-hmm. Can you run down that show and give me your thoughts about that? Because I just think that's a fantastic I think, fight. I mean, it's gone down so well. Like that's the kind of perfect fight. For whole card really not zones just... subscribers and boxing fans and our fan base and stuff like that and it was like you know now you've got Jessica McCaskill against Abara as well which is a great fight undisputed fight so it's a, it's a quadruple header of world championship fights Akmad Aliyev against Rios is a really good fight Martinez against Arroyo is a, is a fantastic fight and of course Jesse Rodriguez who's kind of slowly moulding into the new star really I mean when you look at young stars yeah. in boxing he's right up there youngest and, champion in boxing exactly and uh is that we've, um, the, the, the saddest thing about that show is we've only got 3,500 tickets to sell because it's quite a small arena and they'll go very quickly but no, we expect to do a really good audience that night I think all four fights have a chance to be outstanding yeah I agree and uh, culminate that together and there's, uh, there's actually other really good fights on the undercard that we're announcing some of our prospects stepping up and stuff like that well, so, give us a little preview well, Ray, um, Ray Ford is in another tough fight over 10 rounds um, 
we may even add Madrimov against Soro, the rematch on that card as well. But the problem is, is we'd have to do it off the main card, which is ridiculous. Before the like bell that. for Madrimov? Yeah, I, know, I know, I know, but there's <laughs> a problem with these shows when you've got four world championship fights. So we're, we're seeing if we can move that around. But this is the problem with doing a card like that. So I mean, far, I didn't know the zone was limited. They can do whatever they want with they the They can, but I just, like, there is a lot to be said about a main broadcast, like, there's a way to, 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 to showcase the content and you never want a main broadcast to go on too long, I don't think. I agreed with that. Uh, and just one other topic, just a real quick, because one of your, uh, we've touched on the American side of things, but uh, in, in your British fighters, I've been so impressed with Conor Ben and the yeah, way he's amazing. been fighting and he's been looking very good, knocking guys out, so, so well-spoken with the mm-hmm. press. He says what he thinks. He's very forthright, I feel like, when he does interviews and such. I know you're looking to get a big fight for him. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell me what you think is in the immediate future for, for Conor? He's such an exciting young guy. Yeah, I mean, we need to get him a big fight now. And, you know, the names like Mikey Garcia, Danny Garcia, Adrian Broner. I like the Barros fight as well. Mar- you- Maros Barros. You know, he's fought Javante. Mm-hmm. He fought Thurman. Conor likes the Thurman fight. I still think Thurman's an outstanding fighter. Can you make it? I mean, you know, we're negotiating also with... Um, top rank with Jose Ramirez up at 147 I think that's a great fight for Conor Ben I mean these are the very very big step ups from Algeria and Van Heerden but he's demolishing them so I think he's ready for those fights but the next fight's going to be a lot of fun for Conor Ben and he's, he's emerging as a real big global star well, that'll be a lot of fun. I know Saturday night with uh, Dimitri Bivol is a lot of fun. Uh, I know last week with Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano was a lot of fun. Eddie, thank you very much for, uh, for doing this let's with us today. Appreciate fun. it. Let's just keep having fun. Thank yeah, you. Let's just keep having fun. Thank you. thank you. All right, fascinating. You covered a lot of different things with him. I kind of like what he said at the beginning of the conversation, that this is really going to be a challenge for Canelo. He didn't say it, but Kovalev as a light heavyweight aging when Eddie was saying Bivol not damaged. Canelo clearly damaged goods and older when he fought him. Kovalev. Uh, yeah, Kovalev, excuse me, uh, when he fought him. Uh, and now Bivol different, younger, not damaged. I thought that was interesting. I mean, there was a lot of interesting stuff in there. He didn't deny your report, by the way, that that's the, the leading date for Usyk Joshua. You didn't get a denial out of that. No, that's wrong. He said, I know you reported that. No, and I mean, that's, that's the leading date. So that's interesting yeah. conversation. That is the date they're working on. And more, more, more interesting to me was the, uh, you know, the discussion that we had about the other thing that I had reported about the, the likelihood that Anthony Joshua will be re-signing with Sky Sports. Uh, for his British television rights, which has uh, engendered a lot of interest from a lot of my British media friends who've asked me about it, who I've seen here uh, this week, who have their YouTube channels and uh, other people that I know from the UK media scene. Um, the one thing that was interesting to me is that while Eddie did not deny in any way, shape or form that he was probably re-signing with Sky, it was interesting to me that that for this particular fight with Usyk doesn't necessarily mean, even if he re-signs with Sky, because depending on the media rights deal they make with whatever the host is, like in a place like uh, Saudi Arabia, it's conceivable that they may pay them amount of money that will have them bought out completely. And it will be up to the Saudi Arabians that own the rights to the fight to go make their media deals. So that means they could sell it to anybody in the UK and anywhere else around the world, which is unusual compared to normal. But because they may be offering so much money, it may be worth it for. And and, and part of it, like it's not solely Eddie's, um, Eddie and Anthony. Joshua's decision in the past they could have just gone with their broadcaster and makes guarantees for whatever they think the pay-per-view would do etc but because Usyk is now the guy with the belts and they're on a revenue share and he gets to have just as much say so in these decisions as the Anthony Joshua of Eddie Hearn side 
that they may opt to do that deal where they do uh, sell the media rights to another entity that would then be the ones responsible for securing the British television. So even if that occurs, and let's say Sky doesn't show this particular fight, that doesn't mean that they wouldn't be doing Anthony Joshua fights going forward, uh, you know, when whatever happens in the rematch. So I thought that was interesting. The other thing is, and I brought this up with Eddie because I personally just think it's such an outstanding card that I wanted to hear his opinions about it. And that's the San Antonio card that Eddie is promoting on the zone uh, on June 25th, which has got four world title fights topped off by what I think is a tremendous matchup between uh, Bam Rodriguez defending his uh, WBC uh, junior Bantamweight title against the former champion Srisiket Sarungvisai. It's a tremendous main event and they have other, you know, good fights on that card, whether it's, uh, you know, Akhmedaliev defending the unified junior featherweight title. They've got uh, um, Jessica McCaskill in a very solid fight against Ibarra uh, in her undisputed welterweight title fight. And uh, the fourth title fight escapes me at the moment, but I know it was interesting because I wrote about it and I was like, this is pretty damn good. Um, And he was even intimating, we got a couple of other fights, but we don't know if we can put them on the same card because sooner or later you run out of television time in the broadcast. Right. So one of the, one of the fights that was interesting that he did, that he did speak about possibly going in that show was the rematch between, uh, Israel Majumov, who's one of the top prospects that he's had, uh, and a rematch against Michelle Soro. They had fought, you know, last year in a WBA final eliminator in the junior middleweight division. And Majumov was winning the fight, but it ended in such a controversial fashion because nobody could hear the bell ring that ended whatever round. I forget it was a 10th round. And so when Majumov uh, was, was attacking uh, Soro, he hit him with about five punches after the bell and knocked him out. Obviously, you can't do that in boxing. It's not, it's, it wasn't like intentional, but nobody, including the referee, didn't hear the bell. So ultimately, the uh, Soro side, you know, uh, they, they protested to the WBA, which had really no choice but to order a rematch, which they did. And so that's a rematch that could take place on that card. Now, that said, Eddie was making the point that, well, we might not have enough time on that broadcast. So uh, as it turned out, when I was at the news conference for uh, the final news conference for Canelo and Bivol on Thursday, I was sitting, uh, you know, in the audience, but I was right behind Joel Diaz. Joel Diaz is Israel Majumov's trainer. And so he and I were talking about it. He said he thought it was going to wind up on a matchroom card in the early part of July. So that's what they're looking at. So it seemed like it uh, would have been nice to add it to the June 25th card, but it'll probably wind up a couple of weeks later based on what uh, Joel was telling me about the schedule. Um, and, uh, you know, but the thing about Eddie is he'll go through and talk about all the different things. He spoke quite a bit about, uh, in the section we did at the beginning of the, of the of the interview, talking about what Canelo's next, like say, year, year and a half would look like in terms of if you know it all depends on on on, on keeping on winning and certainly the the matter of health, no injuries and that sort of stuff. But it's a very aggressive schedule. Um, Bivol Saturday, Triple G in September. If he's uninjured and up to it, a, a fight in December. And he listed off and discussed those possibilities, possibly going to the UK where he'd love uh, to fight him in, in London, which is something that's interested, interesting to Canelo, possibly in a mandatory fight against a John Ryder, maybe a Buazzi, Craig Richards um, winner. In other words, not a not a big mega fight, but a chance for the Brits to see him. Nothing wrong with going overseas if you're staying busy and taking that kind of fight. But he also mentioned about maybe going uh, and bringing Canelo back home to Mexico. He has not fought in Mexico since 2011 when he knocked out Kermit Cintron way back when he held the title in the junior middleweight division. That tells you how long ago it was. So uh, the thing that I found intriguing about that was we all know that the all-time boxing attendance record was set by Julio Cesar Chavez in 1993 when he fought Greg Haugen in a 140-pound title defense, and they drew the all-time record of over 132,000 fans to the uh, Azteca Stadium in Mexico City. And so, you know, Eddie's point was if we're going back to Mexico with a big Canelo fight, 
we want to break that record. And, you know, we're about legacy. And, you know, I like hearing that sort of stuff. I, I love that kind of thing. He set the American indoor record against Billy Joe last year. When I go after the Mexico record. All right. We'll find out <laughs> what uh, Canelo's next moves will be. First, he's got to get past Dimitri Bivol. By the way, one more for Dan Raphael, uh, and we'll again get into the nuts and bolts of predicting this fight uh, and, and et cetera on the Big Fight Weekend preview here towards the end of the preview podcast. But also on Thursday, uh, you had a chance to go to the Las Vegas training camp of Devin Haney, who will challenge uh, George Cambosis of Australia coming now a month from now on June 5th in Australia, Saturday night, June 4th in the United States. You were around that training camp. You actually got a chance to talk with Devin Haney. We'll play that conversation at a later date right now. But what was it like to be around his camp real quick and be around him? Well, Devin, of course, now that he's doing this fight with uh, Cambosis, he's now signing with Top Rank. So he had left Matchroom Boxing. Uh, uh, what, and I asked Devin about that. He says, you know, we're on good terms, but I had to do what was best for my career, and that was getting this fight. He was a free agent. So he doesn't hold any uh, animosity towards Eddie. He gave him credit for helping him get to where he is and giving him uh, you know, the right fights. But uh, he was training at the Top Ring Gym, which is just a couple of minutes away by car from the uh, MGM Grand, where, uh, where we're staying for this fight coming up on Saturday. And so Devin, uh, he, he was accommodating to everybody. He, you know, he, he did a thousand interviews and then he worked out. Um, <clears throat> one thing is, you know, he's only like 23 years old, 24 years old, so mature. Him and his father, to their credit, and I tweeted about this. And I've been to the media days in the past and guys get cranky and they don't want to do all the interviews or they want to cut you short and this and that. And they have an attitude, even though you're there for them and they're promoting their own event themselves. Devin Haney stood in front of the step and repeat banner for well over, I got, it had to be almost an hour and a half, maybe even two hours, whatever it was. Wow. He did every single interview one-on-one -on -one with every single outlet with a smile on his face, no attitude. His father did all the interviews that he was asked for also as his trainer and manager as well. And uh, as I said, uh, you know, credit to Haney, him and his dad, Bill, they get it. They want to be big stars. That's what you have to do. You do all the interviews, you talk to everybody and you let them get the word about your career and your fight, uh, spread the word. And, and uh, I appreciated it. Uh, he did, like I said, every interview, I had a chance to do my interview with him. And the reason why it's impressive is because, when you're in that situation on a media day and you've got, you know, there must've been, there had to be 30 guys and gals in the, in the gym looking to talk to him and his people, you know, inevitably, you know, there's going to be some creative questions, of course, but there's going to be a lot of derivative questions. You're going to be asked about going to Australia and be asked about the judges. You're going to be asked about Cambosis as a fighter about, you know, any number of different things. And, you know, he was probably asked those questions a million times and he answered every one of them. And uh, it's, it's hard not to like Devin in that sense. He's him and his dad were true pros and, <clears throat> they, they are leaving for Australia in plenty of time. They're going this weekend, meaning, you know, probably Saturday or Sunday, uh, day, day of or day after the, the Canelo fight. He, I found it one thing I'll, you know, people, hopefully they'll listen to the interview when, when we post it, <clears throat> but they're going to break up the trip. You know, it's a long trip from Las Vegas to Australia. So they're going for a few days to Hawaii. They're going to chill out in Hawaii for two or three days or four <laughs> days or whatever. And then they're going to make the rest of the trip to Australia. So they're going to shave, you know, like what, five, six hours off the trip. By, by spending some time in Hawaii and then then get to Australia. And one thing uh, Devin said, you know, no fear about fighting there. He, he accepted the fight in Australia pretty much right away. He says, look, there may be 50,000 people there rooting for him, but they can't fight for him in the ring. And I believe in my skills and my ability and I'm coming home. And he made a very specific point. And I thought it was, I've never really heard a fighter articulate it like this. He's like, I'm looking most forward to staying in the ring and holding up all the belts undisputed, all four of the big belts, ring magazine belt on top of it. And, uh, you know, they can have promoted Cambosis as undisputed, 
you know, after he beat Tfimo Lopez. I never bought that. He wasn't undisputed. He can only be undisputed if he beats the WBC champion. That's Devin Haney and vice versa for Devin. If he beats him, you know, they'll be the band in the weight class. And uh, Devin looked good, looked sharp, looked in, in good spirits. Same with uh, his father. They're, 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 they're uh, focused on this fight, I think. And they're ready to go down there, uh, down under and do some business. All right. Much the same way that Dan rolls, uh, you know, just getting a quick trip to Hawaii before going to another continent if you need to, whatever it takes. Dan, stand by. We've got much more on the way, including you coming back, talking Canelo Bebo with us here as part of the Big Fight Weekend preview. And still to come, Sergio Mora, the Latin snake, will be here. He's on the call with Todd Grisham and Chris Mannix of this WBA World Light Heavyweight title fight from Las Vegas on DAZN. We look forward to hearing from him. It is a jam-packed Big Fight Weekend preview, and we roll on. But first, we're brought to you in part by our friends at BetUS. They've been America's favorite sports book for going on three decades now. And look, if you're looking to wager this weekend on the Canelo Alvarez-Dimitri Bivol fight, you want to do it with our friends at BetUS, and we're going to make it worth your while. If you're a first-time user, first-time depositor at BetUS, you're going to get a 125% match bonus with our promo code BFW22. That's BFW22 to give you 125% on whatever you put in initially. Put 100 bucks in, get 125 more to wager with for this weekend or whenever you like in terms of a free play. Same thing, 200 bucks in, you get 250 and so on and so on with BetUS. Again, they are 100% guaranteed. You get paid, you get paid fast. Your betting will be secure. And it's not just for the boxing this weekend for Canelo and Bevel, but whether it's NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoff hockey, the Kentucky Derby that's this weekend, Major League Baseball, bet on the tennis worldwide, uh, whatever you want to wager on, they have it through BetUS and their sports book. Again, go to BetUS.com, the BetUS app to find out more. Use our promo code BFW22 to get a 125% match bonus. If you are gambling this weekend, you need to look for our friends at BetUS. That match bonus, our promo code BFW22. You bet, you win, you get paid with BetUS. And we're brought to you by our friends at Ticket Smarter. If you are looking for tickets for the Canelo Bevol fight at the T-Mobile Arena this weekend, the best seats, et cetera, right now, the get-in price is still holding at over $300 for this weekend at the T-Mobile Arena. It is Cinco de Mayo weekend. It's Canelo Alvarez, so the ticket prices are tough. But they are very competitive on Ticket Smarter, the Ticket Smarter app, and TicketSmarter.com. Go check out their selection. I mean, they've got over a hundred thousand events that will be on uh, their uh, app and on their service throughout the rest of this year. Not just sporting events, but concerts, any kind of live events, anything that's going on, NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, but particularly these huge fights. This Canelo Bevo fight this weekend. You've got Charlo and Castaño, the undisputed junior middleweight title rematch uh, that is upcoming. Uh, get tickets for that. Get t- tickets for the Javante Davis pay per view in Brooklyn, New York, that's coming at the end of the month. On even Melbourne, Australia with George Cambosis and Devin Haney, which we're going to talk about a little more with Dan Raphael uh, coming up here in a bit. Uh, if you want to go to that fight in Melbourne, Australia, they've got the tickets on TicketSmarter. Go to TicketSmarter.com, the TicketSmarter mobile app. Our promo code is BFW22, by the way, and you're going to get $10 off of your order every time you use our code. It's not just a one-time thing. Use our code with the TicketSmarter app. TicketSmarter.com, BFW22. Take $10 off your order every time you use it 
whether it is for Canelo Bivol or whether it's for the NBA playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, all the best seats, they're right there on Ticket Smarter. Think smarter, ticket smarter with the Ticket Smarter mobile app and our promo code BFW22. And one more reminder that we're going to be doing a live chat on Friday afternoon, depending on when you're hearing the podcast. Friday afternoon, 1 Eastern time, a live chat on our Big Fight Weekend social channels, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Dan Rayfield joins me from Las Vegas. Live Twitter chat on video through the social channels. Uh, You will be able to catch that through the Big Fight Weekend Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube as we talk all about Canelo and Bevel, the undercard, the news of the weekend. Get your questions in through all of our different social channels. We look forward to the live chat coming 1 Eastern time, 10 Pacific. Be there live. If you miss it live, it'll be archived on the Big Fight Weekend YouTube page uh, as well. But again, join us live if you can on Friday, depending on when you're hearing us here as part of the podcast, archived as well through the Big Fight Weekend social channels. Live chat coming Friday for Canelo and Bevel. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. As mentioned, I love the inside of the Latin snake, Sergio Mora. He is back aboard on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. You are right there in Vegas, T-Mobile Arena. Saturday night is Canelo Alvarez, Dimitri Bivol. Good to have you back as you get ready to call this one with Todd Grisham and Chris Mannix. First of all, we're getting closer and closer to fight time. How pumped up are you for the return of Canelo for the first time this year? Oh, man, I'm pumped not only because it's Canelo, it's Cinco de Mayo, but the fact that we're back to normal. You know, uh, we're going to have 18,000 people, hopefully more, at T-Mobile Arena. And it's just, you know, we're back to Vegas Fight Week. It feels right. The mariachis are out. Everyone without a mask. Everyone with a mask, you know, if they feel comfortable. But, you know, we're, we're back to normal. And it feels great because it's a, it's, it's a fight week with, with the biggest boxing star in town in, uh, in Vegas. So it doesn't get better. I'm, I'm excited. I'm a, a year ago at this time, you worked his win over Billy Joe Saunders in front of 73,000 people. I asked you about this before, but just for the podcast audience right here, when you reflect on that, it's now been a year. Give me a give me a thought on that scene and Canelo and him getting the stoppage, and, and what you take away from that before we talk about this Bevo fight real quick. No, I'm I'm glad you brought that up, CJ, because see, uh, <clears throat> that was Texas, and everything gets done different in Texas. So yes, we did have a record breaking crowd of seventy thousand in um, in Cowboy Stadium, but this is different. This is Vegas, you know. I mean, we're it's not the Mecca, but this is Las Vegas. Everyone wants to go to Vegas fight week. And it's, you know, from Monday all the way to the fight night and something going on every single night. So it just feels different. And I'm excited. Uh, you know, Canelo Alvarez always shows up and people always show up, especially single de Mayo weekend, Mexican independence weekend in May and September. Uh, yeah. The two biggest dates in boxing with the biggest star pound for pound doesn't get better. Uh, you have met with the fighters at the time that we are taping with you. A lot of times they're reserved. They don't give you a whole lot. Uh, can you share with us, was it that way, mostly business from these guys, mostly quiet, anything interesting from meeting with Canelo Alvarez and the Russian? No, not at all, because they're, they're, both, uh, they're both very classy, responsible, uh, honest fighters. You know, it, it's not like they're going to – bs or try to intimidate they, they are who they are they're blue collared you know uh world champions are the best in their in, in their in the championship division but 
Bivo is is very stoic. He's a, he's one of these Russians that 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 you know doesn't wear their their emotions on their sleeve, you know. But he's very smart, very smart. Even in the limited English that he speaks, he chooses the right words and he says the right things. And uh, very interesting to interview him and Canelo. You know, he's accustomed to the cameras and the microphones and the questions. So he's a normal superstar, but he's very humble. As big as Canelo is as a, as a star, very humble. He shakes everyone's hand in the room. He, he, and he says the right things, of course. But, uh, you know, I, I don't really get much as far as animosity or, or anger from fighter meetings from two classy individuals like Bivol and Canelo. It was just strictly business. All right, again, Sergio Mora's strictly business. We love that, even though he's in Las Vegas. Somebody's got to stay in line at a Grisham and Mannix. It's going to be Sergio. It's going to be the Latin Snake who's back aboard here uh, for this. Uh, okay, I love uh, I love phrasing it this way. We believe Canelo should win, but if Bivol has a real chance, it's because he's going to do what well in this fight? Uh, any boxing insider will tell you that Bivol is the second best jabber in boxing. Uh, number one is Golovkin. You know, they, they land, they land their jabs at the highest percentage in boxing. So, you know, he's taking a page from Golovkin's book who almost beat Canelo two times. Some people might say beat him two times, uh, about 11, 12 jabs landed around. That's the highest in boxing and Bivol does nine to 10. So this is going to be a jab fest on Beevil's part, but he has better footwork than Canelo, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, than Golovkin. Uh, so I think the footwork and the ring generalship is going to cause a problem to Canelo because if, if you remember in the past, Canelo had difficulties with jabbers. Of course, Floyd Mayweather was the only person to beat him, but Austin Trout gave him difficulties. What did he have? Jab, ring generalship. Eddie's Lonnie Lara, what do you have? A jab, ring generalship. Caleb Plant, even though he wasn't winning rounds, he was making it difficult for Canelo in his last fight. What do you have? He had ring generalship and a jab. I think we're dealing with a, uh, a master in ring generalship and a power jab in Bivo, who has power behind those punches, but he's strategic all the way to the finish line. So that's what you need against Canelo. It's not brute strength. It's a game plan, a strategy, a jab, and not staying in front of him too long, and of course carrying it all the way 36 minutes to the finish line. I wonder what your thought is here. We saw Canelo move up uh, now uh, two and a half years ago against Sergey Kovalev, but Kovalev was an aging fighter who had been knocked out some. This is a younger fighter um, and certainly poses a different threat in terms of having to move up and face a bigger guy. How much? How much of a threat is it having to, you know, punch a legitimate light heavyweight who's younger, who hasn't been knocked out before? Do you buy that, Sergio, on the challenge for Canelo? Yes, absolutely. And I asked uh, Bivol this in the fighter meeting today. I said, "Have you ever been knocked down as an amateur, as a pro, hurt?" And he said, "Well, I've been hurt, but I, you know, I've hit it." He got he got hurt against Joe Smith. It was very, you know, the little shaky of the knees, but he's never been down. Um, he's a power punch. He, he started his career knocking out everyone, you know, being the next Golovkin. But now in his last six fights, he's gone the distance. So we know he has the power to knock you out, but we know that he has the discipline to go 36 minutes and uh, fight all the way to the end. That's what you need against Canelo because you're not going to knock out Canelo Alvarez. No one has come remotely close to hurting the Mexican superstar. Nobody. I mean, 
not Golovkin, not the biggest punchers. We haven't seen him down or even shook. So Bivol understands that he's not going to knock out Canelo. He's going to have to go all the way to the end. He's going to have to win rounds. He's going to have to show out towards the end because winning rounds is not going to be enough. You're going to have to actually hurt Canelo. And um, the judges are the last thing because Canelo has uh, had favoritism here in Vegas, especially with you know Golovkin with those close fights that people thought he won. But you're going to have to beat a lot of people, not only the fans, the judges, but Canelo Alvarez, the best <laughs> fighter on the world. So, yeah, Bebo has his hands full, but a smart, very smart, strategic, hard puncher that um, brings brings a lot to the table. Okay, we're almost done with Sergio Moro. One more time for the fans here. Again, you were part of a Canelo Billy Joe Saunders fight that had 70,000 in the Dallas Cowboys football stadium. You've worked uh, these title fights in Vegas or in Madison Square Garden, but it's just something different about a Canelo fight. When they strike up the mariachi band, when, when he gets ready for the ring walk, what is that like? What will it be like Saturday? DJ, yes, 73,000 at Cowboys Stadium was unbelievable. Those ring entrances that Matt Room puts up for Canelo, unbelievable. Second to none. They really are. I mean, they're memorable. MSG is the mecca, of course. That's history. Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Robinson and Jake LaMotta were brutal. Everyone fought there. There's ghosts in the arena. I get it. But Las Vegas brings out the stars, brings out the sexiness, brings out, you know, of course, the gamblers and, you know, the, the money, the, 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 the pizzazz. So there's something about Las Vegas that, that, that the other, other venues just can't bring. And that's why it's such a big deal because not only does it land on a big uh, weekend, Cinco de Mayo weekend with a Mexican superstar, but it's last freaking Vegas and we're back. Full capacity, baby. It's on. Love this stuff from the Latin Snake. Sergio Mora, always great to catch up with you. Look forward to you on the call with Todd and with Chris. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy it. We'll be watching. You got it, TJ. Till next time. We are back in once more with our content partner, our insider. We love Dan Rayfield's insight from right there in Las Vegas. He's on a first-name basis, I think, with everybody around the MGM Grand right about now from the amount of time that he's uh, been there. By the way, whenever I take these trips, you know that I was at the basketball Final Four with the Duke Blue Devils, North Carolina Tar Heels, Kansas Jayhawks, Villanova Wildcats. I eventually, after about three or four days, get the – uh, the text message, the phone call from the wife or the 14-year-old twin daughter is about to be 14 years old. When are you coming home? So have you gotten the when are you coming home from the wife, your son, or whatever? Or that Are you still good right now? You've been there a while, a little bit, as we bring you I've home. been here for a week. I've been here for a week. I mean, no, I'm good. I mean, they know when I'm coming home. They're, you know, my <laughs> wife took me to the airport, so she knows the, the schedule. I make sure that I speak with them every day, whether it's on right. the phone or FaceTime. So, you know, we're good. Um <laughs> My that. my son enjoys the fact that while I'm, you know, while I, you know, he, I'm sure he'd like to see me and vice versa. He does enjoy the fact because my wife is such a mark that while I'm away, she wow. lets him sleep on my side of the bed sometimes. Oh, so oh, he, and he gets he away takes with advantage of that. Probably too. Uh, it sounds like uh, that goes on in my household. Uh, yeah, very good. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm when it comes to my son, to Mrs. Rayfield as a mark on the podcast. My goodness, it is. Uh, I mean hostile. that in the most loving way possible, TJ. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. You but can. the reason I say this is because when we're two of us are there, not that it's like over, you know, uh, severe. But if one of us does it, I'm usually more of the disciplinarian with my yes. son, so he gets away with a lot more when I'm away. <laughs> 
is the way I look so at it. So who knows what you're coming back into? And I, but it's okay. No, easy. They're, they're, it's all good. I'm, I understand. I'm, like I said, I'm, I don't, I'm not traveling as much, but I needed to be here for these two fights. Sure. I'm glad I'm here. It's been worthwhile. Certainly miss the family, but I'll be home on Sunday and, uh, They'll be sick of me after a few days once I'm home. <laughs> when are you leaving again? That's the other <laughs> yeah. thing that I get too. Have you got a Buccaneer game? No, they don't play to the ball. Uh, yes. So yes, that's how it works in our house as well. We love Dan's insight as part of the big fight weekend preview. Okay, time to get into it. Main event, T-Mobile Arena. Canelo Alvarez, as you and I talk and we head towards the weekend, line may go up or down a little bit, is a minus 500, a five to one favorite here. Bivol, interesting plus 350, three and a half to one underdog. The over under 10 and a half rounds for this one. I ask this all the time. I want it from you. If B-Bowl is going to give Canelo problems, what are we looking for in the recipe? Maybe it's a couple of things for this fight. What are your thoughts? I think if he's going to give Canelo problems, he's going to have to rely on his jab. Canelo has made a point to talk about, you know, what the He's been asked like he always would be, and any fighter is going to fight, you know, what are the best attributes that you think you need to neutralize in your opponent? And Canelo uh, has steadfastly talked about the the um, solidness of the Dimitri Bivol jab. If he can get the jab in his face, keep it out there, be steady with it, uh, that can be possibly give Canelo a lot of problems because Bivol's jab is not just to, you know, a range finder like some guys. I think he can do some damage with his jab. Um, now Canelo's got very good defense, but it can still bother you. I think so. But if Bivol is going to be successful, that has to be the foundation of his attack. If he goes in there and he doesn't appropriately jab and he can't get himself in on Canelo and, and control the distance with that, then it's going to be a long night for him. But if he can get the jab working and stay steady with it throughout the fight, that, that can definitely set a lot of other things up. It can set up his right hand. Um, he's also got good feet. Some of the guys that Canelo has fought have maybe not been as, uh, as, as good with their movement. So take, for example, I mean, Caleb Plant's pretty good with his movement, but uh, the other guys, Saunders at this stage of his career, I don't think was that much of a threat in terms of his movement, other than the fact that he was um, kind of a herky-jerky fighter. Uh, Callum Smith had no movement. You know, Yildrim, who we destroyed, had no movement. You know, going back before that, Kovalev had no movement. But like Eddie Hearn said in the in the interview that we played, uh, Dimitri Bivol is younger than Canelo. He's fresher than Canelo. He is not taking any damage in his career. He's never been in a war. Um, and he's got a good jab and he's got good feet. And, you know, those are types of things where, you know, every little bit helps. And it may, you know, that movement could cause a little bit of problem for Canelo potentially. Um, but he's going to have to do those things perfectly. You can't do that half-assed and, and be successful because Canelo's got a good jab also. And Canelo, um, maybe not the quickest guy in the world, but he moves around well. He knows how to cut the ring off. He knows how to corner you. And if you put your back on the ropes, you're in big trouble. I think that's another key factor for Bilbo. Do not allow Canelo Alvarez to force you to the ropes or you're dead in the water. Uh, interesting that I believe, what do I know, Canelo will have more problems with his size, his movement like you're talking about. And I'm really looking at that over-under of 10.5 rounds. I don't know that Canelo can get the stoppage. I don't know that he can wear him down and get the stoppage. I'm looking at this as a potential big time as a potential distance fight. Do you buy that, Dan? What is your thought? What is your assessment? I, I can see that. I mean, it, he, he, the, the, the fights that he's had, like with, with Caleb Plant, for example, you know, he dominated the fight pretty much, and it took him 11 rounds to catch up to him, and he finally got him out of there. Uh, but I think that Bebo is a more durable, certainly a bigger guy than, than Plant. Um, you know, Billy Joe, I always thought he would 
probably get the stoppage, but it still took him, you know, what, what, eight, eight rounds. I think it was Callum Smith, who was a tall, tall fighter, uh, um, and didn't really, I don't think came to fight, but came to survive. He went 12 rounds. I'm, I just can't really put my finger on, on, on what Bivol's game plan is. If he's going to go after Canelo, is he going to lay back? Um, it, it's really hard to say because I've seen him fight in both styles. You know, if he comes out and he fights the way he did against like a Sullivan Barrera, for example, where he's pretty aggressive or the fight against Joe Smith, maybe, uh, or even like the Pascal fight where, you know, he kind of moved forward and, and sort of took it two guys. You know, if that guy shows up, that, that'll make things, in terms of at least for the entertainment value, will make it a much better fight. But if he fights in the way he's fought, like the recent fights against Solomov or against Craig Richards, where, you know, he sort of just went through the motions and, and was content to, you know, box and jab and really not engage too much, but just do enough to win the rounds and, and, uh, and, and win lopsided on the, on the scorecards. Um, you know, in the Richards fight, it was maybe a little bit closer because he just didn't fight very well that night and uh, just he seemed disinterested in that fight. But I feel like he's going to be up for this fight. I mean, it's the biggest stage that he can possibly get. He's defending his title uh, against the biggest star in the sport on the biggest stage you can have in Las Vegas and on this type of uh, promotion and that type of arena. Um, so you say, can he get the stoppage? I mean, I feel like Canelo Alvarez is capable of knocking out anybody in boxing, you know, from middleweight to light heavyweight. I would never bet against that. So because I'm picking Canelo to win the fight, I, I do kind of lean towards the stoppage, but it's the, the, look, the odds makers know what they're doing. 10 and a half is sort of like what I would say. What's the, what's the, you know, take the over under. Um, boy, it's tough. Right. I'll, I'll take, I'll take the under, All right. you know, and maybe he gets them out of there about nine or 10, but I can absolutely see the fight going 12 rounds because Bibble, I think is uh, probably durable enough to take a pounding and not get knocked out. We will find out on the undercard just real quick. Uh, junior welterweight clash has Montana Love in action with Gabriel Valenzuela. The heavyweight bout that was supposed to be the co-feature uh, was scrapped and, and reassembled. Philip Hergovic, the Croatian unbeaten heavyweight, due to fight. Uh, do I get the name right? Jalei Zhang. Is that how you say it? Jalei Zhang? Zhang Jalei. Zhang Jalei. Okay, Zhang Jalei. Um, so Jalei is going to get a, a late replacement on just two or three days notice, a California heavyweight that hasn't fought in a year in Scott Alexander. So those are the two primary undercard fights. Any quick thoughts on those before we're out of here as part of the big well, fight weekend preview? A couple things about that. In terms of the heavyweight fight with uh, Zhang Jalei against Scott Alexander, uh, look, it's obviously Scott Alexander is like a club level kind of fighter. Um, he's gone the distance with pretty solid guys like Carlos Negron, who was an Olympian, Travis Kaufman, who has been sort of a fringe contender. But the thing about him, he's got, he's like, what I think his record's like 16 and four, 18 and four, something like that, but he's never been stopped. So the question is, can Zelay stop him? And the other thing that is, uh, if he, if he, you know, they've changed it. It's obviously not the title limiter. It's not a 12 rounder. It's down to a 10 rounder. Um, my understanding is that, that they will reschedule the, you know, Hergovic didn't pull out because of an injury, he pulled out because his father passed in the last uh, few weeks and he's just been taking it very, very difficult. It's, you know, a very um, sad time for him and his family and just could not, uh, deal with that and, and train properly. So decided to delay the fight. And I know how much uh, Hergovic wanted this fight because they had to go through like, you know, 10 guys probably before they could get down to Zhang Zelay in the, in the IBF rankings for somebody to accept the fight. Everybody turned him down. He's a dangerous guy and he's a good contender. Um, but my understanding is that, you know, assuming that Zhang uh, comes through this fight and takes care of Scott Alexander, that they will reschedule Hergovic against uh, Zhang most likely for the undercard of the uh, Anthony Joshua Usyk rematch in July. All right. And uh, in terms of Montana love, uh, 
you know, he, this is, I think is his second fight with Eddie Hearn, maybe his third, but he had, you know, become a little bit of a name fighting on the uh, Jake Paul undercards. He's an intriguing addition to a 140 pound weight class. That's got some talent in it. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a modest step, I think against Valenzuela um, should lend itself to an action fight. And we'll see. I mean, I may not be as sold on Montana love as some other people. I want to see a little bit more, but one thing is he's a cool guy. He speaks really well. He's very, uh, uh, confident you know like he did at the past fights he had his, his uh, dog with him uh the, the, i don't know if it's a bulldog or a pug or whatever <laughs> had the had the little dog sitting up on the on the day as eddie Hearn was like scratching him under the chin it was very amusing it was probably the uh the one uh interesting part of the final news conference today so montana love's definitely got to keep an eye on and montana love favored uh <clears throat> minus 700 seven to one against uh, Gabriel Valenzuela, who's plus 450 in that one in the junior welterweight showdown. So that's the card coming up. Are we ready to do this uh, here? By the way, we'll make one more mention to the audience. You and I will do a video chat prior to the fight coming Friday, 1 Eastern time, 10 Pacific. Look through the Big Fight Weekend social channels, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. We'll be doing a video chat. But now for the audio podcast, the Big Fight Weekend audio podcast, we, we're going to put this to bed, and it's time for Canelo and Bivol. Canelo back in the ring. Just one more time, real quick. I can't wait for it. I've uh, I've been uh, privileged to cover many of Canelo's fights. This will be my 19th Canelo fight at ringside. Wow. It's always an exciting time. He's the best fighter in the world. Uh, but if he's going to be in with a guy that has a chance to win, my my strong belief is that Dimitri Bivol has the best chance to win against Canelo Alvarez since he's left the middleweight division. And that's meaning – all of his fights at super middleweight plus the Kovalev fight. Uh, this is the most live opponent that he has had in all of those fights. Not to say his other opponents weren't solid other than Yildirim, but this is a fight where Bivol, in my mind, um, I don't think he's going to win, but he's got the best chance of any of those guys. I think he's going to put in a good performance. Love Dan Rayfield's insight. You'll be reading him on bigfightweekend.com. He's right there on scene. We'll have a Fight Freaks Re Unite recap podcast when all of this is over with. Again, the live chat that we're doing is Friday, 1 Eastern time. If you missed it, by the way, the live chat on video, et cetera, it will be archived on YouTube. You'll be able to see it there. We'll put the links out. And the audio podcast, again, follow us and subscribe. Dan, thanks as always. I appreciate it, my friend. We'll see what happens with Canelo and Bevo. All right, TJ, look forward to doing the recap. Hope we get a great fight Saturday. Let's hope that we do so as well. Thanks also to Eddie Hearn spending time with Dan. Uh, they did not fight with plastic silverware against each other, so that's a good thing. Uh, also, Sergio Mora, the Latin snake with us. He's on the call with uh, Todd Grisham and Chris Mannix for this Canelo B-Bowl fight. You've heard it all as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Enjoy the action. Fight Freaks Unite recap coming on this podcast feed. When it's all over, over with, thank you for being with us here on the Big Fight Weekend Preview.